Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One evening in the summer of 2004, coachloads of students from Imperial College London rocked up at Alexandra Palace a cavernous entertainment venue in North London. Dressed for the occasion, they were there for their university summer ball, a celebration of the end of a long year of study, and for some, the end of their time at university, putting them on the cusp of stepping out into the big, wide world. Among the crowd was Alison Twelvetrees. I was wearing the bridesmaid's dress from my sister's wedding, (laughs) and was single and feeling quite cheerful and, you know, having a nice time and probably drinking too much because, you know, young and all that. Sitting down for the dinner part of the evening, Ali saw a familiar face, Dan Bowes. Me and my friends that I was there with, we were sat around a big round table and Dan and his friends were a couple of tables over and I was trying to convince myself to go and chat to him. You see, Ali had been interested in Dan for a while, but hadn't quite plucked up the courage to ask him out. I finally decided I had nothing to lose. Like, well, I won't see him again. (laughs) But I still wasn't brave enough to ask him out in person. So, in the time-honoured style, Ali asked one of her friends to ask Dan out on her behalf. A gamble that paid off, eventually. It wasn't until the ball was over and they were loading us all back onto buses and so we were leaving... He sort of came up to me (laughs) and we had this very awkward chat um, in the lobby where we exchanged phone numbers and he couldn't work his phone so I had to put my number into his phone for him. And then we said goodbye and went on different buses and went home. And that was it. Ali and Dan's first halting steps into a joint life in science. From Nature, this is episode two of Starting Up in Science, a series about what it takes to launch a lab. Last time, we met researchers Ali and Dan, both working at the University of Sheffield, as they took their first steps as principal investigators. But before they got to that point, a lot more had had to happen, both in and out of the lab. They'd done PhDs, postdocs, moved countries, had a family and lived apart. Every scientist's journey is different, and in this episode, we're going to tell you about Ali and Dan's. Reporter Richard Van Norden takes it from here. 
Ali and Dan's story begins in 2001, when they were both studying biochemistry at Imperial College London. I started off with just a fascination for science, right back to high school. We have students coming through at the moment in university for interviews, and you ask them why they want to get into doing biochemistry. I love biology, I love chemistry. I put those two together, and really that's where I started out as well. I wanted to put these things together and learn more about them. My experience of biology in school was that all of the practical stuff that we did never really worked, but all the stuff in chemistry really worked. I was like, okay, so biochemistry, I'll do the life stuff, but the experiments will work. And that was basically where I came from. Dan focused in on structural biology, while Ali's classes ignited a passion for neuroscience. All cells are special, but I love neurons the most. (laughs) Like, they're these enormous, ridiculous shapes. Uh, And just how a cell manages to be this big and everything goes to the right place and the synapses form and like and you have them your whole life and they have to function your whole life (laughs) it's crazy but although their scientific passions may have been awakened it took rather a lot longer for their relationship to reach the same stage i didn't speak to ali for three years and um i was kind of shy she was kind of dating someone yeah I sat at the back of the lecture theatre and I sat at the front. After they finally got together, Dan stayed on at Imperial to start a PhD, looking at how genes are switched on and off in bacteria. And a year later, Ali finished her degree, and having enjoyed the taste of lab work she'd gotten so far, found a neuroscience PhD, also in London, which meant that the two could stay together. But it's a long road from getting a doctorate to becoming a PI. Before you get a lab of your own, you usually have to spend some time working in someone else's. Dan spent two years working as a postdoc in London, looking at a group of enzymes involved in the remodelling of DNA, while Ali wrapped up her PhD. They both wanted to stay on in science, but this time they looked further afield. Ali found a position split between a lab in London and one in the US at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Dan also managed to get a postdoc there, And so in late 2011, the pair packed up and moved to the US. And they got married, just three weeks before their flight. It was kind of nice because it was wedding and leaving party at the same time. So we got to say bye to lots of people. And And cry lots. (laughs) Mm. I just remember crying a lot, being very emotional. Moving to another country would be a big step in anyone's lives. But as scientists, both Dan and Ali say their time working as postdocs in the US was invaluable for their scientific careers. It gave them time to develop their skills and come up with their own research avenues. That's kind of where I found my confidence and independence of ideas about the directions that I thought were important and that I felt that my opinion was just as valid. That was a really big jump in techniques and in ways of doing experiments. So instead of, well, the goal was what you would work towards, I'm going to solve the structure of this and then find out what it tells me, I totally switched to thinking in a hypothesis-led way. So I think this is happening and now I'm going to plan out a series of experiments that's going to let me show whether this is true or whether it's not true. And so the second postdoc made me a much better scientist in the way that I think about how systems work. Three years passed and their research skills continued to grow. And so did their family. In 2015, the couple had a daughter, Ada. By that point, they were nearing the end of their postdoc positions, and things were about to get pretty complicated. 
Ali's split postdoc meant that after her maternity leave, she had to return to the UK to finish her research. But Dan couldn't leave. So we ended up moving back at different times and uh, ended up sort of on, in different countries. I moved back um, and went back to work in London and brought Ada with me and Dan stayed in Philadelphia to finish his postdoc work. Um, and we didn't really know how long that was going to be when we moved and I think we hoped it was going to be a few months. Dan was working on a research paper he was planning to submit to the prestigious journal Cell, which was vital for his future career prospects, so he had to stay in the US. Despite working around the clock, it took almost a year before everything was completed. It was fairly brutal, to be honest. <laughs> There's no way of dressing that up, it was horrendous. <laughs> and on top of that, you know, trying to be productive as a postdoc, trying to get independent positions, like it was just everything all at once. It was, yeah, exhausting. Living on different continents meant that Dan had to get creative when it came to being a dad to Ada. So she would do things like carry Vipad round and tuck it up with her toys at bedtime and Daddy would be part of that. But it was clearly difficult and really tough on Ali. And you know that this is having an impact on her career as well because she can't spend as long in lab as she necessarily needs to because she's got to do single parenting alongside finishing off her research projects as well, so... It was a very conflicted time, I think, for us. Ali and Dan are still pretty hard on themselves about this time apart. What kind of mother would separate their child from a loving father who wanted to be there for them? Similarly, what kind of father would leave his wife and daughter in another country and go on a plane and fly back to do science for a year? But at the same time, it was what we felt was necessary to make sure we were both had a chance of having jobs and you know I couldn't ask Dan to come with me and Dan couldn't ask me to stay and this is the sort of situation that you end up in basically and it's not unique to us it's a really it's a it's it's a really common problem around the world researchers are making sacrifices like this for the sake of their careers and even so the numbers are stacked against them One study from 2014 suggested that fewer than 1 in 10 scientists become PIs, meaning that competition is fierce among those who want to take the step up. In fact, Nature's first postdoc survey run in 2020 revealed that more than half of respondents had a negative view of their career prospects. Of course, as well as 11 months of living apart and all the juggling of home and work life that entailed, Dan and Ali also had to apply for PI positions – and they focused their search on the UK. We never really thought we were going to be lucky enough to find somewhere that would give us two jobs. So our plan A was basically that one of us had to be employed. We've got a daughter, you know, you have to put food on the table, you have to pay the mortgage, you have to pay the bills. And then whoever did not have a job would then try and bring in an external fellowship and create a job, that kind of thing. However, things actually worked out a bit better than that. In October 2016, Dan was offered a position at the University of Sheffield. Later in the year, Ali was offered a position there too, in the Sheffield Institute for Translational Neuroscience, or CITRAN for short. So the family up sticks once again. It was really such a stressful time anyway, just that whole year before we moved here. And it felt like it took a long time to move. (laughs) So we kind of, it takes a long time for somewhere to feel like home, I think. I think we're finally getting there. 
But I think we were just exhausted, to be honest, by the time we got here. I think that's the reality. Exhausted, yes. But finally, after a gruelling time, Ali and Dan had some stability and were free to focus on their scientific passions. It was really nice to have the security to kind of sit and think about science for a little bit, um, which is mainly what I did. I can't speak for them. But when I started in Sheffield, I really just sort of coming into work every day, thinking about my science and how it was going to fit into Sheffield and kind of reaching out and making connections across other departments and stuff. It was a much needed pause to kind of collect my thoughts and put something coherent together in terms of a plan for doing my science. Ali and Dan have come a long way from the two undergraduates we met at the start of this episode, but their biggest challenges still lie ahead. In the next episode of Starting Up in Science, Ali and Dan actually start running their labs, hiring, teaching, grant writing, and sometimes even a bit of research. There's a lot to juggle, and they've never done it before. What could possibly go wrong? Find out how they get on next time. This episode of Starting Up in Science was written by Benjamin Thompson and narrated by Richard Van Norden. The series was produced by me, Kerry Smith, and Benjamin Thompson, with editing help from Noah Baker. Heidi Ledford, Richard Van Norden, Benjamin Thompson and I reported the story for the podcast and for the text version on our website. You can read that at nature.com news. 